coming into an academic health system, you know, I've been asked, so what is your vision? And my response has always been, it's not about my vision, it's about our vision. That's Alan Kaplan, CEO of UW Health. Alan's here to talk about how his professional background, one which perhaps isn't typical of an academic medical center leader, is advantageous, and how his unique approach to strategic design is helping transform the greater industry, both amidst a pandemic and beyond. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. For more information about us, visit our online healthcare publication at health.oliverwyman.com and follow us on Twitter at OWHealthEditor. I'm Jacqueline DeCare, editor at Oliver Wyman Health. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Oliver Wyman Health Podcast. My name is Deirdre Baggett. I'm a partner in the health and life sciences practice here at Oliver Wyman, and I could not be more enthusiastic for our discussion today. While yes, this story is one of undeniable leadership impact, importantly, it is also a story of what is possible when we are willing to challenge our oftentimes long-held beliefs and biases. In his fifth year as CEO at UW Health in Madison, Wisconsin, our guest today is Dr. Alan Kaplan. While some would argue Alan was the wrong guy for the job, when you listen to Alan's story, he was exactly what UW needed. Having started his career in emergency medicine, Alan had never been a health system CEO and certainly did not grow up in the AMC leadership world. Prior to joining UW Health, Alan served as Executive Vice President and Chief Clinical Transformation Officer at Unity Point in Des Moines, Iowa. On weekends, you're most likely to find Alan on his farm outside of Madison, where he is a part-time conservation farmer. Alan, I'm delighted to welcome you to the podcast. Let's get started. How is your team holding up given the recent surge of COVID-19 cases in Wisconsin? I suspect our story as a healthcare organization is much like all our peers who are in the midst of a, a surge. And last spring, uh, we spent our time following CDC guidelines. We, we emptied the hospitals, we retooled our facilities for negative flow rooms, to increase our ICU capabilities. We were worried in working on procurement of adequate PPE, building testing capabilities, developing policies and procedures to keep staff, providers, patients safe. And of course, as an academic health system, we were enrolling in clinical trials to start building our knowledge base. And so here we are in fall with a second surge. The difference between last spring and now is we have all those things in place. So we're able to ebb and flow to the demand of the surrounding surge. Uh, the difference between this surge and last spring is most of our patients now are referring from outside our home county because some of the hottest areas, if you will, are more to the north and north east of our location. Uh, one of the difficulties as an academic uh, medical center is not just about delivering patient care, both for those with COVID and also for other patients who need our care, but also learners continue to be an area of focus. How do we keep learners safe? How do we keep learners from spreading COVID to our staff and providers? And how do we uh, make sure that we have adequate PPE and, and education around PPE for our learners? And this isn't just resident physicians, it's medical students, it's nursing students and other uh, ancillary healthcare professionals. And I would say 
as a CEO right now, uh, my biggest concern is really uh, provider and staff well-being, particularly the stress of kind of the battle fatigue of being on the front lines of the pandemic, but also the additional stressors they have as they worry about the economy, the election, the uncertainty, their children not being able to go to school or not having adequate daycare. So that's a place we're spending a lot of our efforts. Fantastic. The last six months have been a time of inexorable change. In our assessment, integrated delivery networks or IDNs such as UW appear to have fared better as a result of both aligned incentives and reduced reliance on traditional reimbursement. But it wasn't always that way at Wisconsin. Over the last five years, Alan, you spent considerable time with your board, the medical school, your JOA partners, how important has that work been in terms of driving an impact at Wisconsin? My observation prior to being part of an academic medical center and being part of an academic medical center is that academic medical centers are not always viewed as good partners. Uh, even internally as a tripartite mission sometimes struggle to stay in balance with each other. Focus on partnership really begins at home and right from day one, as I assumed this role as the CEO of UW Health, I looked as my main partner as the medical school, the School of Medicine and Public Health, immediately uh, began to talk about shared goals. Uh, we share leadership. I don't do anything without collaboration with uh, Dr. Golden, who's the Dean of the medical school. I also see the clinical department chairs as my partners, and I invite several of them into my direct report meetings so that there's transparency, communication, so that the perspectives are in our decision-making as a health system. And to give an example of what I characterize as shared leadership, which I believe is the cornerstone of good partnerships, is that early in my tenure, I asked my team how physicians are engaged in capital planning and the answer I got is they're highly engaged. Well, when I dug deeper, that meant that we had their input and then non-physician uh, administrators decided on the capital and then it was announced. We changed that so that we have several of our clinical department chairs sitting in the capital planning group from start to finish through approval. I do not partake in those conversations and I sign off on their decisions because I know given good guardrails, they will make wonderful decisions on behalf of the organization. The other example of partnership that I think is extremely important is external to our walls. And we engaged in a, a really what I believe is a unique partnership. And we have a community hospital that is within a few miles of the academic health system, the medical center, our main hospital. And we entered into a full financial risk sharing arrangement in which we share revenues, we share expenses, and we do an, a full income split. And that includes all the revenues of the academic health system and this particular hospital. By doing this joint operating agreement, it is agnostic where our patients go and it opens up so much opportunity for operational enhancement, delivering on quality, crossing that chasm between the academic medical center and the community needs. 
just in a few short years, we estimated we've avoided $130 million in capital investment. The Meritor Hospital was half empty. We were overfilled and turning away patients. We have now filled their excess beds, which is about an additional 200 beds. And now we're victims of our success and that they're full, we're full, and we're starting to see backlog again. But now we have access to our capital and their capital to start building more capacity. So I think partnership is key, particularly as we go into the future and not everything can be a merger and acquisition. We need to find ways to work together in strong win-win opportunities. In preparing for this interview, I had the opportunity to evaluate UW's performance on a number of dimensions, from financial performance to quality, safety, and growth. On every dimension, UW is driving greater impact today. First of all, Alan, congratulations to you and to your team on the tremendous success over the last several years. Tell our listeners, what do you think has enabled this level of impact? Sure. So both the internal and external partnerships have been key to our success, but I would even uh, take it back to a a very proactive uh, and fairly aggressive work towards team and talent development. Very early, uh, we started looking at the capabilities of our uh, executive team, so vice presidents, senior vice presidents, looking for people that not only have done a good job in the past, but that were well poised to take us forward. Since that time, we've added our much more diverse as far as gender and and ethnic diversity. And the reason why it was so important to have proactive team development is that it just seemed like every time we pulled this team together and proved it, the next crisis of the day became evident and we were well positioned to address it. The first one was a need for margin improvement. We needed $80 million of margin improvement based on a budget and an operations that I inherited. We exceeded that mark. We brought in over $100 million of margin improvement. We've had very strong margins. And this translated into the COVID crisis. So very early on uh, in my tenure, we develop a strategic plan and we invited everybody into that strategic plan steering committee, whether it be research PhDs, the dean of the medical school, department chairs, clinical leaders, and so forth. And we created a strategic plan that I felt was very applicable, strong, and directional for the organization. And that helped get us to a shared goal and shared priorities. But I would add that our strategic plan is a living plan. It doesn't sit on the wall collecting dust. Uh, we are very clear on our vision, remarkable uh, healthcare. It's pretty simple. We have core foundational competencies, those things that we do day in, day out, week after week, month after month, year after year, and you know what they are. It's quality and safety. It is provider and staff well-being. It's financial performance. And these days it's IT and analytics. And then we have our strategic domains, those things that are focused on growth and our future. And then every foundational competency, every strategic domain has three to five year goals. And then it has every year we create annual initiatives that march to those goals. Those annual initiatives are resource. There's a primary accountability of an executive. And then we track it quarterly to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. Combine the talent development, the strategic plan, 
and then all the internal external partnerships and those are the things that form the foundation for our success and for the last four and a half years but also going forward. Alan, tell us about your provider-sponsored health plan and the role it's played as an enabler in UW's ability to drive impact. Yeah, thank you for that question. Our health plan, Quartz, owned 62% by UW Health, 20% by Gunderson Health System, and 18% by Unity Point Health. It's not just a joint venture. Uh, UW Health, the academic health system, basically granted shared governance to the party. So we have equal governance. We have strong local governance, respectively, in our environments but we share governance. In fact, we share governance so much that this is characterized as a joint venture on our balance sheets as opposed to part of our, uh, it doesn't roll up to our overall financials because we've given away so much governance even though we own 62% of the uh, health plan. Uh, in addition, Advocate Aurora will be joining our insurance joint venture, but more in the Medicare Advantage category, in fact, Medicare Advantage only. So our health plan currently has over 350,000 members, and we are heavily into commercial. We have Medicare Advantage, Medicaid Managed Care. We uh, have enrollees on the individual exchange, and we also do third-party administrative services. Quartz is really important to us because we look at our growth and our financials as both a local and a regional referral strategy. So in the local strategy, it allows us to be an academic health system with an extremely large and capable primary care base. We have over 250 primary care providers in our home county and surrounding counties. The health plan allows us to partner with other primary care groups and 50% of the patients within our primary care groups are medically homed as fully capitated or on a value-based payment like uh, Medicare's uh, NextGen. This allows us to have innovative care models like group health visits. It allowed us to get ahead of the curve on telehealth and other types of virtual visits because we were fully capitated. We did not need to see a patient to generate RVU and to generate a, a revenue stream. The other thing this does is from a tripartite mission perspective, it allows us to have medical students and residents introduced to value-based care. So it's great primary care education that's really future focused. Other advantage is the steady income stream. So when we uh, had our first surge of COVID last spring and we emptied our hospitals, 20% of our revenues were steady. They came through our health plan. In fact, our health plan profited like other insurance companies nationally. So we actually saw a increased profit on the uh, health plan side. It didn't offset fully our losses on the provider side, but it definitely mitigated some of those losses. From a more wider regional referral strategy, it gives us a growth platform that is separate from actual mergers and acquisitions because as we grow the health plan, all those enrollees have financial access to the academic health system. Those that are partners preferentially refer to us for high-end tertiary coronary care. 
So it's been a great asset and it is one that we see as part of our growth strategy going forward. Having myself worked for two very talented AMC CEOs, it is apparent that because you have not followed the traditional path to the Academic Medical Center C-suite, you bring a markedly different skill set to the role. Tell us about that. Uh, you are correct. My leadership upbringing is all in community hospitals and community health systems. And prior to coming here, my academic experience was limited to the fact that I had attended school. And so Dean uh, Bob Golden, Dr. Golden led the search committee. And I later learned after I was hired, I was the only candidate uh, without an academic background, uh, academic pedigree. He said that in discussions in the search committee, they had made the decision that they had plenty of academic know-how within UW Health, but they wanted a physician leader that understood how to run the business. It was that type of thinking that allowed me an entree into the organization, but also opened up the door for that partnership that Dr. Golden was my academic counterpart and I was the business counterpart. And coming into an academic health system, you know, I've been asked, so, you know, what is your vision? And my response has always been, it's not about my vision, it's about our vision, that I was recruited to lead an academic health system, not a community health system. And that's what I intend to do. So for me, it, it wasn't as difficult as a transition as those in academia think it would be. Mostly what excites me is, is what motivates our faculty physicians. Yes, compensation is important, but that's not what it's all about. I truly enjoy their motivation for intellectual pursuit, for gaining new knowledge, for curing disease or addressing social determinants of health. And I truly appreciate they are motivated by being educators. As someone not from academia, I trip now and then, but I have uh, built enough credibility that people work constructively with me to find constructive ways forward. And I've never tripped so badly that we couldn't recover from it, learn and move on. And the bottom line for me as leadership is leadership. For me, it's been a learning curve, but lifelong learning is part of leadership. And what I'll say about physician leadership is I've seen good leaders, strong leaders that are physicians and non-physicians, and I've seen less effective leaders that are both physicians and non-physicians. So it is really about the leader, how they take their experience and how they apply it uh, to their respective organizations. And if you were to just ask me the question, is it better for CEOs to be physicians, my answer would always be, it's best for the best CEO to be the CEO, whether they are a physician or not. And the challenge for physician leaders is that you need to develop yourself to be competitive uh, with non-physician CEOs in order for a, a, a search committee to feel confident that you could effectively run what is a very complicated, very business intensive organization. I do believe that my background, having done surgical internship, having done an emergency medicine residency, having been a clinical person full time in an emergency department, 
I do believe it gives me a perspective and an understanding that I believe is unique to being a physician or, and I would say being a nurse leader or someone from a clinical upbringing. And having said that, once again, I would say I've seen non-clinicians be extremely effective uh, leaders in healthcare organizations. It brings a perspective to the table, a very valuable one, but it still does not negate the need to develop those leadership and business skills. When you reflect back on the last four plus years, what are you most proud of, Alan? The thing that I'm really most proud of is the here and now. And that's the leadership that I've witnessed of our teams through this pandemic. To lead, to be out in the public communicating, to nationally even, CNN, CBS. So what's next for Alan Kaplan? What's on deck for UW 2025? For UW Health, we were on a trajectory to leverage our internal talent and capabilities to take a prominent role, not just regionally, but also nationally. And UW Health is well positioned to get right back on track after the pandemic passes. While I'm deeply concerned with the immediate stressors resulting from the pandemic, there's been many plagues and pandemics throughout history. And and many much more fatal than COVID. And unlike in the past, we have science working on our side. We have much more science than we've ever had. Uh, and my hope is that we don't let this crisis go to waste, that we learn, that we get better as an organization, as a health system, as a nation, as an interconnected world. And I see UW Health playing an integral role in all those domains. In the complex environment of healthcare, we often talk about the importance of failure tolerance and that maybe failure is nothing more than a data point. Share with our listeners a time in the last five years that maybe didn't go so well for you as a leader and how did you manage it? Thank you for that question. Uh, I've been a senior healthcare executive for 25 years and uh, it just amazes me how we continue to learn, we continue to pull on what we've learned and how we still make mistakes. And one of my earlier mistakes was shortly after we created the strategic plan, we created a graphic. And that graphic showed our vision, our strategic domains, our core foundational competencies. I immediately heard that the faculty were extremely upset with the strategic plan uh, because the plan did have a place in it for innovation, clinical translational research. However, those that were really focused on and really spent their life in the area of education did not see themselves in the strategic plan. When they uh, became outspoken and it went to the clinical chairs and from the clinical chairs to me and to the dean of the medical school and to me, there was a suggestion that we put a, a button, if you will, a, a place that just says education or something like that. And I, I refused to do that. And I refused to do that because I perceived uh, that this would be a living strategic plan. And if we were going to integrate education in the strategic plan, we better understand what it is that we are trying to achieve, how we're gonna exercise on it, so it doesn't become a, a dust collector on that living plan, that it, it's real, it's tangible. And so I asked who the lead individuals were in, the, in education within the various departments, and I started meeting with them. 
uh, in medicine and family medicine and surgery. And I also asked every time I spoke with someone, who else should I speak to? So I could hit the informal leaders as well. In the end, uh, I, we came up with a, a solution in that we would create a ring around the strategic plan. And that ring would basically speak to our tripartite, kind of quirk part-tight mission, so it would have clinical care, education, research, and community service. But what we would do to make that real is that every time we created an initiative, a plan, or a goal for a strategic domain or a core foundational competency, we would measure its impact on clinical care, education, research, and community service to make sure we're addressing all parts of our mission so that it's living and it's part of what we do and how we think. And to give an example how that translates is we are building a large or plan to build. We got thawed a little bit from COVID, but we plan to build a large multidisciplinary ambulatory clinic. And because of the way we think about things now, as we built this clinical building, we had to look at research. Are we building clinical trials infrastructure? Do we have study coordinators built into this? Do we have all the infrastructure, the labs that we need? And then we looked at education. Do we have the rooms, the spaces, the virtual meeting spaces, whatever it is that we need to make sure we're supporting education in that building? And so it really was a place where I tripped that we were able to learn collectively and where it's really in the recovery of tripping, really created a stronger, better organization. Remarkable humility, relentless commitment to partnership, and true collaboration describe our guest today, UW CEO, Dr. Alan Kaplan. On behalf of OW Health, we thank you, Alan, for joining the podcast today, and we ask that you please offer our sincerest gratitude to the entire UW Health team for all that they have done and will continue to do in the fight against the pandemic. My name is Deirdre Baggett. Thank you for listening to another episode of the OW Health Podcast. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. If you enjoyed today's show, we invite you to subscribe so you'll be notified whenever a new episode goes live. For more information, follow us on Twitter at OW Health Editor and visit our online healthcare publication, Oliver Wyman Health, at health.oliverwyman.com. Thanks. We'll see you next time.